The Secrets of Technology is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Technology. Hi, I'm Dom Bettinelli, and you're listening to The Secrets of Technology, where we discuss the technology news that's important to you from a uniquely Catholic point of view. And joining me today on the panel are Joanne Mercier. Hi, Joanne. Hi, Dom. And Father Corey Stika. Hi, Father Corey. How's it going? Very well, thanks. So let's uh, jump right into today's headlines. Uh, We've got a whole bunch of headlines. There's so much. It's spring, which means in in Northern Hemisphere, uh, sorry to our friends down in the southern hemisphere but we're gonna we're looking forward to spring and spring seems to be this time when a lot of tech companies are starting to roll out new products in anticipation uh apple's got an uh, an event that's probably later this month one plus and stuff like that so that's all still to come uh we don't do a whole lot of rumor talk here once in a while but uh <laughs> we'll talk about those the products once they're out yeah, but uh there's a whole bunch of headlines that i want to catch up on and uh, some of them have to do with Apple uh, in some because they're the <laughs> we use a lot of us use Apple, but also because they're one of the big companies. But the first story I want to talk about is this other one that uh, you brought to my attention, Joanne, uh, this company the genealogy site called My Heritage has this new technology to do what's called deep faking which is kind of a pejorative Mm -hmm. term for it. But what it does is they take old photographs. Well, they're intended to do old photographs, but it can do any photograph and animate it so that it's a video. It looks like the person, the photograph is now looking around and blinking and is now animated. Uh, And uh, so it's at myheritage.com. You can upload for free, you could do up to five photos. So you can do five different photos. You can then, once it animates it, then you can download it as a video and share it. Um, if for to do any more than that, you have to subscribe. It's like 16 bucks a month for their, their service. Uh, Joanne, what do you think of this from a genealogist viewpoint? It was the freakiest thing I've ever seen <laughs> in my life. Okay. Just to see a photo animate the way it does. It, it's incredibly creepy. Because I guess they, they have some, some kind of axis where, you know, the eyes will move, the head will tilt up and down, they'll blink. But just seeing your relatives, you know, do that and you know you've been dealing with them because they've been dead for years, it's like, okay, this this is like an out-of-body experience. I mean, I'm glad that somebody came up with that because I think one of the goals of something like that is to get people interested in genealogy so if you can do coloring because they also do coloring of of black and white photos you know if you can make them more vibrant if you can make these people seem more alive then you will want to research more and that's fine but it's just I'm sorry. It's just downright creepy. <laughs> well, there is the uncanny <laughs> valley that we that we always talk yeah. about with this, where uh, it's it's just lifelike enough, but sometimes some of them, especially because there's not enough data for the the machine learning to get to to really do it, it's it just is kind of a little weird. But uh, 
yeah, it, it, it's it. I I kind of I've looked at a lot of their examples. I'm trying to decide whether the older like hundred year old black and white photos look when they animate them look more real or the newer photos look more real. I can't really decide. Mm. Uh, Father Corey, what do you think of it? Well, I, I think it's. I mean, it, as from a geek standpoint, I think it's really cool. I mean, the idea that they can take a static picture and you know just with the the intelligence of how humans move you know because that's really what they're doing is they're just taking this this snapshot and interpolating how this person likely would have moved you know and i i think that's that's really cool but of course we've talked about deep fakes before how it is a legitimate concern in this time when we're you know if you don't see it on the internet it's not true you know it didn't happen if i can't go to cnn and see the article or i can't go pull up youtube and pull up the video and now when the technology is this good where, and we know that the, the, the technology that's actually used to do real deepfakes is even further advanced than this, where you almost can't tell if it's real or not anymore. And so I think that, that you know, on a wider issue, that's, that's kind of a concern. But as far as this is, and, and, you know, like, like you said, Joanne, it really brings a, a life to the person. And I can see, too, for historical studies, where this is a technology where you could take a number of photographs of, let's say, Gettysburg or, you know, any historical site. And this could read. I mean, imagine if, if using like this kind of technology, you could literally walk through the Battle of Gettysburg. Right. You combine this with VR technology. Yeah. And, where I mean, yeah. all this where it fills it in, it fills in where the people were because we know a lot of that. Right. But it's all in this picture and that picture and this article and this. Uh, journal entry and everything. And so that's an all a walkthrough where it's like you're literally standing on the Battle of Gettysburg. Or you combine it with something like some, I've seen some of these things where they take the um, old statues, like statues of Romans from 2000 years ago, like of uh, a bust of Julius Caesar, and they've made a, a painting or a photo out of it, like a photorealistic painting. And then would you animate that? And then you put it in a movie with an actor like we've seen in Rogue One or some of these other movies where they put, and now, you're doing historical movies where the the figure is not just an actor that looks like, but is a representation of. I mean, this is only going to get better. You wonder how far they, they're going to go with this and how far we should go with stuff like this. That's an interesting question as well. Yes. Yeah, I, I do a lot of genealogy and I do a lot of um, film restoration. Now as well, I had I had a pile of film that was left to me, and now I'm used to seeing old relatives on film, mm -hmm. and turning the film into pictures mm. because I don't have static pictures. But this is the opposite, and I'm just if you start making them talk, I'm really going to faint because <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it, there's just a point where I guess to me that I know these people. Have, a, have lived a life and have gone before. And as a genealogist, I try to be true to what I know about their life. Right. I don't want to turn their life into something it wasn't. It, it's, it's the Star Trek holodeck, the Star Trek holodeck problem. You know, what, what are the ethics of recreating a, a living, either a living person now or a, or a person who's now deceased, recreating them in an artificial manner? There's a, there, there, I mean, we're not quite, at the holodeck thing where they're walking and talking and interacting with us. But these are ethical questions that we'll, we will have to deal with at some point 
down the line and, and we should start be thinking about them now. I think it's fascinating. The, there was an article in Tom's Guide where a guy was talking about this. He was, you know, the, one of the reporters was doing this and he said he did a, this with a photo of his mother and he asked her permission first because you really should ask permission of the people if they're, if they're still living to do this sort of stuff with, with them. Because, you know, you're creating an image, a, a, a fake video of them, essentially, and imagine the things you could get them to say. And this is, like you said, Father Corey, this has been a concern for a while because you could make anybody say anything these days, like especially a public person, like a president. Well, and, and of course, when we've got the audio technology, we've had actually for the last, what, 10, 15 years since they did the thing with Tupac, where they can literally take a voice you know, take voice recordings of someone and make them say whatever they want, where the computer can analyze the a person's speaking pattern, especially the more recordings you have, you know, of course, a public figure, that's much more, you know, it's someone who's on TV or radio all the time. It's much easier to do than your average person or on who podcast. Have a podcast or something like that. Or a podcast. <laughs> yeah. yeah of us. I mean, <laughs> Dom, you and I, we, you know, there's enough material out there for us and Joanne yeah. too, because you've done a podcast yes. of your own too. There's yeah. enough material out there where they could make us say anything they want, or they, they sound do. like we're saying anything they want. And so you combine this technology plus that, you could literally have a video where someone's sitting there saying, yeah, I'm the second reincarnation of Hitler or something like that. And how do you prove they didn't actually say that? Right. The tools are st- like the, the, these what the, the state of the technology as it is today is not quite there where, like you said, Joanne, there's this it's like a bit of an uncanny. It's it's not quite perfect, but but it's it's we're looking at in a, in a year or two, a couple of years down the road where it's going to get really good and it's going to get harder. The, I think. There should always be the ability that it built into the technology for someone to be able to say this was not recorded live. Actual. There's a there's a YouTube channel. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it's it's like fake George Lucas. And it's like this guy pretending to be George Lucas, about you know, ranting about D- Disney Star Wars <laughs> in all these various situations. It's actually it's it's quite humorous, but it looks and sounds like George Lucas. You can tell it's not real. But like I've never met George Lucas, so there's the subtle. Like, I've met both of you, and I've seen you know you up close enough where I could probably tell if it was fake or not, you know, or someone in my family. But someone I don't really know, so it is it is a little concerning like that. It, but that said, it's fascinating. It's fascinating. But you know, on the other side though, the technology to determine fakes is advancing just as quickly. I mean, there, there is technology out there that can look at a video frame by frame, pixel by pixel, you know, audio by audio, and can tell if it's a fake or not. That's true. Because you know, there, there are telltales. Like, you, you, and you see it pretty clearly on some of these pictures where, you know, there's one of them where it's the, the author of the article as an as a infant, and he's being held by his mother. And you can see the, the, like the, the, the mother's shoulder kind of distorts a little bit. So you can, you, know, you can see that there's a fake to it. But, you know, the better stuff, it's much harder to say by the naked eye, but a software package will be able to pick that up. Yeah, as Dom said, though, this will this technology will get better. And if you look in the MyHeritage, you know, frequently asked questions, you'll see that they will give you a pattern when you put the picture in. But if you want to change that pattern, you can you can go in. So people will start to learn how to tweak this. Right now, the genealogists are just like amazed that it can happen. 
But at some point, somebody will start going in there and saying, okay, well, if I remember grandma, she did this or that, and oh, she'd never tilt her head like this. And they're going to start playing with the movements, and, and then that cool. way anybody can. Well, yeah, that's fine. I still just have a, you know, what's frozen in time <laughs> sometimes should just be that. What's frozen in time. And then what's on film is that. It's film. You know, it's movement. And when you start to play with one or the other, I mean, taking stills from film, you know, does not have any inherent problems. But now making a still move sounds like it has more of an inherent problem. Well, because the film exists. It's something that happened. It's a historical event. And taking Mm -hmm. a still from that is not distorting that. Whereas these photos, the, the movements that we're seeing made out of these photos did not happen. Like, this is not historical. It's made up. And so I think that's that there's a there's a subtle difference, but I think it's an important difference. And I think it's a it's a thing we need to continue to think about as a as a society, as a culture, what sorts of things we think we should be doing. The technology exists, but should it's always the question, you know, not can we do it, but should we do it? And we have to keep examining those things. So. All right, let's uh, let's move on to our next topic. This is an, another one. Uh, this was a I saw this in a local story in my our local uh TV news, but it's I think it's something that we need to be aware of. Uh, so this person had uh, the, this woman had an iPhone six or something like that, where she, um, just, I, I want to be very clear on what happened. Her phone got full, so there was no more space left on the phone to load things up, and it created a situation where uh, where she got an error fourteen. The, the phone said error 14 uh, that it can't it can't do anything. And so the only solution to fixing it that Apple said was you have to factory reset the phone, which wipes the phone and sets it from scratch. Now, the way that this news story puts it is Apple has created the situation where if you fill up your phone full of stuff, you you have to wipe it and you lose all your photos and all your other stuff. But that's that's not there is there is a finger wag at Apple in this whole story. But this really is a story about backing up your technology like your photo photos like she's got photos of her dad who's who's died and and she's going to lose them. And that's really sad. But the fact is, is if you have photos, you got to back them up. We've said this so many times on this show. You can't just rely on the system now. She used to have iCloud uh, backup, but the Apple's, you know, free. And I think even she was paying a dollar a month for 50 gigs. But the fact is, is that this is where I finger wag at Apple. The stuff that you give for free or even at the low cost are not sufficient to back up even one phone. (laughs) Like it's it's, you know, phones start at 64 gigs. You're giving people 50 gigs. You got to you got to give them more. So that's a bit of my finger wag at Apple. What do you guys think? Well, I I pay for the two ninety nine for the two hundred gig, but that's not my only storage. You know, I have storage on Google. I have storage. I'm moving pictures, however, to Amazon. I think at this point, and I have a Synology. And my husband looks at me and he says, "How many copies can you make?" And I'm like, "Enough that I don't lose something important." How many copies can I afford to lose? Right. right. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. Well, it, well it, it is important to, and 
to have the backup and to have a backup that's sufficient for what you need. Um, and first of all, don't let your phone fill up. I mean, we're, 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 we're pretty amazed at how much storage actually are on these little devices. And the storage on a desktop computer is much cheaper. It's, it's not that hard to pull your pictures off of your phone and put them on your desktop, if nothing else. You know, uh, same thing with your music. You don't have to have every single song you've ever downloaded, whether legally or not, on your phone. You really don't. And it's not that hard through, you know, the desktop apps or whatever to manage that. But also, like Joanne said, you know, the online storage. I've got a Dropbox you know, I pay for like the two terabyte Dropbox and all my pictures, you know, every couple of days I go into the Dropbox app and tell it to make sure all the photos are uploaded and double check so that, and I've got Dropbox uh, on that Dropbox. I've got pictures back to 2008. So I've got like 12 years of photos, almost 13 years of photos on that Dropbox from like five different devices. You know, it's, not that hard and have multiple backup solutions. Yeah, have a physical backup with your desktop. Have an online backup or two. And don't rely on just Apple or Google storage. You want more than just one. And I also use the Google storage as well. You know, so there's, you got to have it all backed up. So if you have a, an iPhone and you, you're using iCloud Photo Library, uh, if you go into the Settings app and then to Photos, there's a setting for optimized iPhone storage. And what that does is, is so there's either optimized iPhone storage or download and keep originals. Now, on your phone, you want it to be optimized iPhone storage so that it's only got thumbnails of most photos and then probably the most recent photos you've taken in full size. And then it will download the full size as you need them on the phone. Uh, the download and keep originals, that should be on a, a, a Mac somewhere or, or something like that so that you have uh, the full-size original photos somewhere physically that's not in the cloud. Now, I know not everybody can afford a computer, and some people, their iPad is their, is their computer and that sort of thing, and I get that. Uh, so that's why we're also saying if you have, you, you know, upload, if you, if you set up a free account with Google Photos, a free account with Amazon Photos, there's a bunch of different services that will also upload your photos in other places. But the, the, the bottom line is, is, this really isn't an Apple, primarily an Apple problem. This is a I don't understand my technology problem, uh, and I didn't understand what was what I was doing that put me in this situation. And it's sad. I'm sad that this, that people are losing their photos because photos they're ephemeral, as we were just saying. They're 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 our history, and to lose them is a is a bad thing. And I think people don't realize that some may already have storage that they don't use. If you own Microsoft Office, okay, Office 365, you have a terabyte up in the cloud, you know, and there and there's a place you can go. If you have Amazon Prime, you have a you have a shot at getting into their Amazon photos. I mean, so everybody says, well, I got to go to Apple. But Apple gives you five gig when you buy a phone. That's it. Like, hello, if if you if your phone is 128 gig, okay, fine. Now you're in trouble. Right. You can't back up you, anything. <laughs> right. Exactly. So it's you got to know what you have, and then make sure that like I portion things out. I'm not saying I've, I've got the best system, but I'll say okay, since I have a terabyte here, I can put family stuff that means a lot to me. If I have a couple of gig here, 
fine. And then I have work accounts. So, I mean, if I keep things portioned, I could put everything in the Synology, load it up, and then have a fire in the house. So you got to think of that, too. Oh, and then there's the backup plans. You know, you can get Backblaze or anything else to do it. Yes. So the one thing I would say that Apple needs to do is that it should be for every device you buy from Apple, whether individually or in a family, if you do family sharing, you should get that much storage for backup. You should be able to backup every device you buy from Apple into the cloud. Every phone, every iPad, it should be able to backup into the cloud. And then charge for other stuff on top of that. But really, I mean, this sort of thing shouldn't shouldn't have to happen. And the, the, a couple of a couple of things too. You know, first of all, with, with Apple and the idea that the phone completely hard locks and run out of storage. No, Apple, come on, you can do better than this. There should be some way to get into that phone. And I understand Apple's security. I understand they're very serious about security. That you can't break into that phone unless you run it. You're running it and you're logged in. But you know what, Apple, you've been making computers for almost forty year, over forty years now. I think you could figure out a way to boot one up when the Storage is full. There's got I mean, to be a way to bring it into the store, plug it in with the customer there. The customer can enter their password and and decrypt it. Get their data from from the from a third, you know, from outside, from an external source. There's got right. There's got to be know, a way yeah. to to get into that data. To I get mean, that, that's yeah. that. That's just bad design. I mean, it really, really is. And of course, Apple's gonna go. Well, that's your problem. Buy a new phone. I think what what we'll see is is, is as this gets more of this is out there. We'll probably see that this is they're going to program their way around uh, out of this at some point in the future in a future operating system. This they won't do the same sort of thing. I mean, there have been similar problems in the past that they've they've changed the operating system to allow for this. I, I mean, just the the fact that you could get if you fill it over 80 percent and get into a boot loop, that's that's a programming error. That's a problem. The user that's, should never yeah. encounter that sort of thing. They should be protecting the user from that. And they should know this because they keep promoting, you can do a whole movie on your phone. Well, people are actually doing it, and now they're running out of room. Right. Exactly. Well, and another another thing I just want to quickly point out, um, I, I don't know about Apple's Photos app, but I know Google's Photo app. If, you, you know, if you've been doing the scan the document in by taking a picture, you can have it archive those, where it will delete them from your phone, but they'll be online storage. Yeah. You can do that if you use Google Photos on your iPhone, uh, but, I, but I don't because it, it deletes it from iCloud Photo Library, too, which means it's gone from the originals on my uh, computer. But but if you're but you're right, you can I would definitely there, there are so many photos of things that don't need to be in my phone. And in fact, I like that about Google Photos is on my iPhone, I it does show me like oh you took these screenshots and you took a photo of this thing you sold on facebook marketplace do you want to get rid of these i'm like oh yeah get rid of those get rid of i don't yeah exactly clear it out clear it out so yeah that that's the kind of stuff to clear out you know if you took a screenshot of your weather app to send someone see how beautiful it is here today or see how nasty it is here today you don't need to save that five years from now as i look at my phone and i'm sure there's plenty of those on there as well but (laughs) however if you're using it for genealogy and you have been clicking away at a lot of documents you get them off of there manually (laughs) get those off of there manually don't leave them on your phone right take them off out of the photo library and put them in a storage place like a devon think or an evernote or a you know google keep or whatever storage place yes yes definitely 
All right. So uh, speaking of Apple, uh, here's one that that wasn't quite Apple's fault, but seemed like it at first. So this guy said that he missed a payment on his Apple card. And then and, and when that happened, so Apple's, you know, uh, credit card that you can get. Uh, and then he said when that happened, Apple disabled his iCloud app store and Apple ID. And, oh, my gosh, Apple is horrible. How could they you know do this to someone? My life is in there. And then it came out later that what that's not what actually happened. Apple says, first, we never lock you out of your Apple ID <laughs> if you miss an Apple card payment. That that's the bottom line on that. But what it, what really happened was this guy had traded in. It's kind of complicated. But what he did was he traded in a MacBook Pro, and he, you know, so he he made a purchase. They have instant trade in, which means we give you uh, immediately credit for the device you're trading in, uh, and then you have to send it back to us. And then if we don't get it back, we're going to charge you for it. And so he 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 didn't send it back in time. They went to charge him on his card for it. He he had changed the information on his card somehow. Some I didn't. They I don't see exactly what it was, and they couldn't charge him for it. So therefore, they locked all his accounts, which is a way of getting the guy to say, "Uh, why are all my stuff locked? Oh, because we need to. You need you to send that thing back." So it really wasn't. That's that. The lesson I want to take from this is when you see the flag go up on online and throughout social media of you know tech company behaving badly. I'd wait a few days before jumping in to find to see what the rest of the story is. Yeah, and I can speak from personal experience. We have used through the pandemic. We've bought two computers and an and an iPad through Apple Apple Card. Okay, and the thing is, is that when you buy something, you pay full price until it returns, and then they credit you back the money that you that you should have gotten so i don't know when i read this i was like this is backwards because it doesn't make it doesn't make sense to me the experience i've had it's been perfectly fine yeah apple card wants you to pay every month that's the point of apple card right so well his bank account number changed in january and he didn't know it that caused his apple card oh, auto pay okay. to fail I so, so that's what he said so i wonder if he had like uh like a fraud or something like that on his card. So he called the bank, the bank, you know, refunded it. And what they always do is they give you a new credit card with a new number. And I bet he never got that updated in Apple. He forgot. I'm sure. Yeah, he just forgot. And of course, you know, of course, the punchline is this wasn't an Apple card issue. This was just the fact is they Apple didn't get its money. If you had used Chase or U.S. Bank or your local co-op credit card, same problem. Yeah. Now, part of it is um, uh, the there was I think he got an email from Apple. Um, it, it, the Apple was supposed to send him a, a trade in kit, like a right. box to send it back in. Mm -hmm. He never got it, the box and forgot about it. So it's a series of errors and, and there's a series of errors on both sides. But it's not Apple locks up your your iCloud account, your Apple ID if you don't pay your card. And that's the that's really the bottom line on that. And I, I would be curious if there's actually some laws that would prevent Apple from doing that. There probably is. Banking laws. Because the bank, banking laws are really strict and they're really minutiae. You know, you can't have any of this kind of stuff. So Right. Uh, you know, the, the one, one lesson that some people drew is, is, you know, this is potential downside of putting all your eggs in one basket. You know, pay, payment, uh, 
your access to your music, all that sort of stuff. And this could happen with anybody. Could if you could happen if you have Google for all your stuff. I get that. There's you know, I you weigh that the convenience of having one all thing versus separate services. P- different people will make different decisions. This this goes back to our previous discussion. Back up your stuff in multiple places. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> if backups. he didn't have everything iCloud, if he had stuff in Google Drive and Dropbox, then it wouldn't have been as big a concern. Yes. And to be careful when your bank sends you an email saying we're we're redoing your card or your you know here's your new card, you have to go into everything and change the dates, or you start to get locked out there too. Right. So uh, one one last Apple story, uh, then we'll get we'll we'll get into some others. This one is actually kind of funny. Uh, this it's sort of a programmer thing. So this this actor and author, her name is Rachel True, and it's her last name is important to this. She claims that she keeps getting locked out of her iCloud account because her name is she wrote her name in the in, you know, when she set up her Apple ID lowercase. So she wrote it as true, which the, the system thinks is a Boolean value. So Boolean values are uh, true or false. And so if you put true or false in programming, so something pro- in programming is supposed to this shouldn't happen. So names should be, uh, um, what's the word the, when you you have a delimited? Well, it should be a string. It should be a string, not not a Boolean value. So, of course, I, I've done some programming. Father, you're going to be better at explaining this than life. I am. Yeah. So, so, you know, of course, computers run ones and zeros, on, off, yes, no. True and or false. You, of course, <laughs> true or false. And you've got, you know, they call if statements. You know, if this happens, then do that. And usually, an if is going to return a yes, it did, or no, it didn't. True, it did. False, it didn't. Some programming languages express it certain ways. A lot of programming languages, it's literally you have a true and a false, and they are keywords that are only used in those situations. So what's going to happen is when they see true or false, if the program is done right, especially what they call, uh, not case sensitive, uh, I'm blanking now on it, but uh, type, type sensitive, where it's, it, everything is typed, you know. This is a string. The name is a string. It is a group of characters, a group of letters. This is a Boolean. It is either true or false. It's one or the other. Well, if those get mixed up, then you have a situation like this where if name equals true, wait a second, that shouldn't work, you know? And so that's where it gets this this error. Like the error it says is type error cannot set value true to property last name. You know, so it's what it's seeing is seeing that true and it's not seeing it as the typed in string T-R-U-E. It's seeing it as true. And so that that's a you know mistake on how it's handling the strings um, in, in all, uh, some systems. They handle it by literally it's the character T, character R, character U, character E in one group, you know. And so it's a it's one of those errors there's another case where uh null um actually this happened with in california i believe it was where someone their last name was or they they as a joke got their license plate as null n u l l which in computer language means nothing nada zip not even zero i mean it, it means there's nothing there there's no not data. even the number zero yeah no data um it locked up the database actually, yeah yeah it caused all kinds of problems for tolling and things like that because they were <laughs> if they got Null back from it. it's like oh there wasn't a license plate yes there was a I think there was a case of uh, where this kid put uh, drop table in his uh, in his name 
for for the school grade system and deleted with what that does is deletes the t- the database table so we like every time they would enter this stuff the information in it would delete the database table that they were trying to access <laughs> so it, but that's that's just that's sloppy programming and apple's obviously got some sloppy programming someone said uh, uh don't change your name to your surname to RMRF. That's just a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, that is a that if you don't ever do this, but if you typed it in the terminal, it will delete your entire hard drive. RMRF. So yes and no. There's there's a certain command. This this comes from 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 Unix. Unix yeah. Which which by the way, macOS does this. Won't work in Windows, but it will work in macOS. Works on any Linux and things like that. But RM is remove. R is recursive, meaning go down the directories. F is force. So if you do as the root user, rm space rf space slash, you just deleted your entire file system. Ooh. If you're from gone, it blows it all away. This is like if you were in DOS, you do deltree c colon backslash. Poof. <laughs> so if someone tries to prank you by having you do that, don't ever type rm rf in the terminal. Just don't do that. All right. So, uh, I want to take a quick moment before we go on to thank our patrons for uh, helping us with this show. They make it possible for us to create the secrets of technology, this time including Iris D, Sean B, Paul M, Gretchen L, and Benjamin D. Their generous donations at sqpn.com slash give make it possible for us to continue the secrets of technology and all the shows at StarQuest. StarQuest is a nonprofit 501c3 Catholic apostolate and your d- donations uh, through uh, the giving uh, sqpn.com slash give uh, is uh, tax deductible. Consult your tax professional. Don't take my tax advice, but <laughs> we are 501c3. So thanks to a generous gift from a StarQuest supporter, when you start a new Patreon monthly pledge at sqpn.com slash give, the first three months will be matched by an equal amount from our donor, which supports all our shows, including this one, And that makes your gift go even further. And we're more than halfway to our goal of $2,000 new monthly pledges, which is very important because we have some important uh, things we need to do to uh, make the network better, to fix up our infrastructure, to to make things more reliable, that sort of thing. As we grow, we're, we're needing that reliability. So won't you help us close the gap? If you've been thinking of becoming a StarQuest patron, now's the time. Visit sqpn.com slash give today. So here's another uh, tech story of uh, of the day. This is the sort of thing that uh, is a 2020, 2021's uh, story. Uh, restaurants. So do, do you guys remember when you were uh, young and irresponsible kids? You, know, you probably were were better kids than I was. But uh, the whole <laughs> dine and dash or, uh, or uh, well, we had uh, other terms that were less polite to, to use. But the dine and dash where you'd, you'd go in with your friends to the restaurant You'd order a bunch of food, you'd eat it, and you'd run out. I, I never did that, but I, I'd heard, I heard about it. I was, no, yeah, yeah, heard about it. I I'm heard sure. about it. Oh, my, my, my friends did that. <laughs> my mother would have killed me. <laughs> right. Oh yeah. There, there's no way. And it is. It's stealing. It's it's and it's bad. It hurts the waitress. It hurts the small business owners. And you don't want to do this. Well, there's a high tech version of this going on, which is people are, and this is awful because restaurants are suffering right now. So it so it makes this even worse. People are. Placing uh, online takeout orders from restaurants, sometimes through like uh, Grubhub or DoorDash or Postmates or that sort of thing, and then they get the food, and then they say they they they, they issue a, ch- a charge back. They either dispute the charge 
via their credit card company or via the app. And the the the, the restaurant, the small business has to has to absorb that cost. That, that's a loss on them. And there was this the stories about one particular restaurant in Los Angeles that got so many of them, they ended up having to shut down this family business. Uh, so it's uh it's bad. I mean, they had one order that came in for seven hundred dollars that got charged back. That's a that's a big hit. So uh, it's it's kind of sad. And the restaurant has to be able to prove that no, we deliver the food as said. You know, here's what we did, and this is not our fault, and we should not take the hit for this. And it, it's you know you can understand, I you know obviously the, the the purpose of chargeback and credit card is if. There's a fraudulent charge if the if the if the store or the the restaurant is is messing you over, you know all these kind of things. You know legitimate reasons where I ordered X and got the box, but the product wasn't in there. You know you hear that happen. You know and and we're we're so familiar with Amazon that basically just says, oh it's broken, we'll just send you another. Oh it didn't work, just keep the one that that was wrong and we'll send you another. You know and. That's fine when you're talking about somebody like Amazon that could absorb that. But when you're talking about a restaurant where, again, people are getting the food they ordered, it's not that they're saying, oh, I ordered fried rice and I got white rice. It's I got, you know, I got everything I ordered, but I'm going to eat it for free and I'm not going to pay for it. Yeah, that's not fair because all these small restaurants, I mean, they might think they want to do it to a chain restaurant that can probably absorb a little bit more. But this article was about basically a mom and pop's restaurant what had she done to anybody you know other than serve good food hopefully and but but this is the mentality i'm going to get what i can get for free and if i know how to if i know how to jerk the system that's what i'm going to do and <laughs> that's a whole bunch of moral problems well and here's the thing too like a lot of these chain restaurants they're not chain restaurants they're franchisees. They're mm, owned true. by someone, sometimes local. Now, to be fair, even franchisees can be big mega corp franchisees. But a lot of times, you know, like your McDonald's down the street is owned by somebody relatively close to you. He might have a dozen McDonald's, maybe. But that's not owned by McDonald's Corporation in Illinois. And we should be clear, morally speaking, theft is theft. Regardless. Doesn't matter how big the, right, yeah. the, the, the recipient, you know, the, the victim of your theft is. Uh, for uh, from your moral standpoint, uh, you mm -hmm. you've committed a sin and you've committed a crime and you shouldn't do it. Uh, I have to say, I've had cases over the past year. We've been doing a lot more of this takeout sort of thing uh, through these apps, and I had one where I was I I think we got a barbecue and we didn't get the uh, barbecue sauce that like a jar. I ordered an extra jar of it and didn't get it, and I did the charge back and that was fine. Uh, then there was one more recently for my daughter's birthday. We got Chinese food, and I I. I swore that the thing wasn't in the, the, the one of the dishes we ordered wasn't in the bag. And so I issued a, I said, oh, we didn't get it. Oh, we'll credit you for that. And later on, my wife's like, no, no, this is it. I'm like, oh, no. What do I do? Like, how do I fix this? <laughs> I want to give them yeah. money now. <laughs> so I don't know what I can do about that. I, just, I feel just bad. Just order something from them again. You know, yes. <laughs> and give a big tip. <laughs> You know, with with the logic of thinking nowadays, I should charge back every single McDonald's that doesn't give me what I want the way I want it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know how many times I've looked in a bag after I've gotten back to work and it's like, that's not what I ordered. Oh, yes. Yes. That's I, I've learned to check the bag when I take the kids because our orders, we five kids, our orders always are extensive and have very specific requests about each burger mm -hmm. or whatever. I have to always check to make sure they get it right because they often don't. <laughs>
And I wonder, I wonder with these apps, whether it is the individual apps of the stores or Uber Eats or something like that, if there's some way that they need to be designed so that it does protect the restaurant, where the restaurant can dispute a chargeback or something like that and say, you know, no, we did what we could and here's our proof. Especially you know? given the, how much a lot of these apps take from the restaurants uh, in delivery oh, yeah. fees. Some of these delivery mm. fees are ridiculous. Well, I know if you go and pick it up yourself, like we don't, we never have anybody deliver. We're still young enough that we can get in a car and we just don't want to go in the restaurant. So I could see from that standpoint, if you're bringing it over to the person, you just snap a picture, snap the car. Because I mean, in Panera, for example, I have to tell them what kind of car I'm in. So they come and deliver it to the right car. So, I mean, if if they know I've gotten it, then that should there's, be it. There's ways they can do that. I shouldn't have a way of saying, well, I got home and usually with Panera, if I get home and I, I'm missing something or something's wrong, I'll call them up. They immediately give me all kinds of free stuff. <laughs> like, you know, <laughs> yeah. well, well, here's this and here's a, a coupon for the next time. And here, If you go back and say you have a problem, you don't know how much free stuff you might get. Right, right. That's true. Yeah. And that's legit. Communicate. That's the thing is communicate. If you have a legitimate grief, uh, you know, a grievance, if you have a legitimate problem, communicate calmly. Don't go on Yelp and, and or on you know social media and, and run them down. Just talk to people. They're people. They want to do business. I mean, maybe they'll be a jerk to you and then you can be legitimately upset online. But, yeah, a lot of times they just want to they want to make you happy because they want you to come back because they're struggling. We're all struggling. So that, that's the thing. All right, uh, let, let's talk about another story. This is, I thought this was interesting. So uh, there's a, this French company called, it's a big French telecommunications company called Altice. They've purchased two U.S. cable companies, a very big one, Cablevision, and another one called Suddenlink. And uh, they're com- com- they're combining them, and they will rival this Comcast and Charter in size. They'll become one of the big three uh, U.S. cable operators. So th- that's big. So what's what's interesting about this story is that the CEO of this company said in an interview that he that he's acknowledging what we all most of us have pretty much said is the truth is that cable companies are going to just become big dumb pipes big dumb internet pipes that they the future is not in broadcasting TV channels into your home the future of these companies is in providing Internet connectivity, period, stop, full stop, end of sentence. Uh, what do you guys think about about this admission on his part? I, I think he's probably the first one to be right on. I mean, the, the, the infrastructure that cable companies have built up where we can do the high speed Internet over, you know, the coax is great, you know, and that is going to be the future because people we, we see this with all these a la carte services, you know. CBS All Access, which is now Paramount Plus and Disney Plus. Why why they all have to be plus? Apple Plus, I think. <laughs> Paramount Plus. Apple started this. Everybody's, yeah, Paramount Plus. You know, they're all plus now. Discovery but Plus. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I think that's going to be the future is in, you know, right now a lot of these companies aren't doing their their actual cable service. They're you know, like over them, but I think that's eventually going to happen. You know, eventually you'll log into Disney Plus to watch ABC you know, ABC sports, you'll log into, of course you could already do CBS all access again. Now Paramount plus where you can watch your local CBS channel. Peacock. You can watch CBS news yeah, and for NBC. Peacock is NBC. I think that is going to be the future. And I think he's smart to recognize that now that the best thing that these 
cable channels can do is get online, get get it so you can buy their channels. Because I'll be honest, you know, yeah, when I'm visiting my folks, I'll watch Home and Garden Television because that's what they're watching. But I'm not going to sit here and watch, you know, Fixer Up or anything like that, you know. But I would watch ESPN. But right as far as I know right now, you can only get ESPN streaming unless that's finally changed if you have a cable package. And maybe that has finally changed. But like if you want just regular ESPN to watch sports, you have to have a cable package. And maybe now I think actually now with Disney Plus, that did finally change. I think on Disney Hulu. Plus Hulu. Yeah. On Hulu. You know, Hulu, another one of those that has those those streaming abilities. And I think that is the future. And I think he's smart to recognize that. And the other companies would be smart to get on that as well. It's like we're gonna start not so much discouraging our cable packages, but we're going to start focusing more on giving you really, really good internet so then you can buy these cable packages from well, us he over says, the internet. He says they, they're going to stop doing cable TV. I mean, that, that he thinks the future is they're going to not offer it even. Well, I think I think he's correct because I'm noticing now with these plus packages that you can get what you want individually on them rather than waiting for somebody to aggregate and televise you know the different programs like for example i we still have youtube tv and that pretty much is an aggregator it gets a whole bunch of different things and in one place however i've noticed that the shows that i like to watch say on discovery are not showing up in the aggregation anymore you know, it, it, I like on Discovery, for example, to watch um, to watch Dr. Pimple Popper, okay, or to watch something like Long Lost Family, which is about reuniting, you know, people who were adopted. Um, you can't. All I'm seeing now is you know, thousand pound sisters and sister wives, <laughs> and it's like I don't watch that stuff. Right. right. So I have to go to you know, we we went to Discovery Plus to try it out. We like it. You know, because it has a cross section of different companies. It's also got right. Food Network and a couple mm-hmm. of the other like Discovery owned stuff. Yeah, and stuff you can't get on like HGTV, which is one which is hysterical. It's House Hunters, Comedians on Couches Uncensored. Oh my gosh. Oh boy. So you're watching <laughs> comedians watch an episode of House Hunters. Oh my and gosh. And it's the most hysterical. Hysterical thing I've seen on television lately. I've I've I, I've turned that. I mean, everybody does that. They they watch House Hunters if you haven't watched yep. it, mm-hmm. and you and you're like, what is wrong with these people? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that is yep. uh, that Seth, would be amusing. Seth Rogen was hysterical. <laughs> I, I'm a beautician, and, and he's a vegetable gardener, and we have a million dollars to spend on a house. <laughs> yes. No, you our, don't. Our, <laughs> yeah. Our budget is ten dollars. We want a sixteen room house. Like no. Yeah, exactly. exactly. But what's like happening that. here is all these pluses are now almost becoming like a uh, like like department stores. Right. But or, or cable like premium show packages like right. you used to get on cable. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the uh another example of one of those stores you can't get on they're not broadcasting over the cable anymore, but you only get a Discovery Plus is like Good Eats, the Alton Brown show, which is hugely popular. Um stuff like that. Yeah, it is interesting that there is that still the problem of us paying for all of these different services. And they've got to they've got to figure that out because people can't afford to spend twice as much to get the same thing that they're getting now. You know, that sort of thing. And, well, and, and let's be let's be honest, most more and more people are getting away from the sit down in front of the boob tube and watch what's on it. The, the classic model of, you, you oh, it's 
7 o'clock on a Tuesday, it's time for NCIS. We've gotten away from that. We're at the point now of, no, I want to be able to sit down and watch the episode when I want. Um, you know, binge watching is a real thing. It is. Do you hear that, CBS? <laughs> we want Star Trek at once. We don't want to wait every week. Or please. Disney. <laughs> Although it makes it easier for us. Yeah. Or Disney with Mandalorian. Makes it easier for us for doing Secrets of Star Trek, but still, you know, and I, I think there is still kind of a, a purpose for that because you do still get the water cooler discussion. Oh, did you watch this week's Discovery? Did you watch this week's Mandalorian? So you get that, but people want to be able to sit down and watch. I don't want to have to tune in at 7 p.m. on a Thursday to watch the latest Discovery. I want to be able to sit down on Saturday morning when I've got a few minutes, you know, a few hours and watch it. You know, and that's one thing more and more channels are allowing you to do where you can watch these shows that you don't have to program your life around. You can program the, the shows around your life. We started doing this with VCRs in the 80s, with TiVos in the early 2000s. But it, you're right. We want we want to watch when we want to watch. But since cord cutting, it really has come home like that for my husband and I. But we still like to be able to flip. And and that's, you know, flip on on the remote and look through and see what's out there. But I'm noticing more and more and more. It's not what I want to watch at all. I can't tell you the last time I watched like network TV at the time it was airing. You know what I mean? Just just regular or even any cable channel as it was airing. I just I, I everything I watch is time shifted. Everything. You know, it's it's or streamed. And I. I and I do watch live sports, you know, NASCAR and a baseball fan. I've got MLB TV, speaking of one of these packages that you pay for instead of waiting for it to come on TV, you know, and it give you that advantage of being able to watch it live or watch the game later. All right. So I think that should do it for our headlines this week. Uh, well, let's move on to our picks of the week. Uh, Joanne, do you have a pick of the week for us? Actually, I have a tip. Okay. Okay. Um, if you've been listening to me talk about all the live streaming I do at work, I have an OBS system with with some cameras, and we use it on a computer. So I have arrows so that I can go forward and back and, and pan, tilt, and zoom. So I'm getting really tired of hitting all those arrows with a mouse. So I started reading and found out that I can add a game controller, an Xbox game controller to OBS, and it will allow me to use some of the controls, not all of them, and you have to figure out which ones will work by trial and error, um, and make <laughs> things a lot more smoother and a lot more, prof I don't want to say too much professional looking, but just so it's not so jerky on camera for folks. And so I picked up a $30 controller wired didn't even go with a wireless. And I'm starting to learn how to use because I am the last person in the world who knows how to game. <laughs> I, not even, you know, Solitaire, Rumi Cube, and Scrabble. That's it for gaming on computers. <laughs> um, but I'll tell you, it has started to do the trick. Things are a lot smoother. But again, you have to play with it and never play with it when you're really on camera <laughs> going going live. <laughs> But it's 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 a neat trick to do if you don't. My biggest thing was I didn't want to get into buying a box because the cap, people who sold me the cameras would have sold me a controller box where I could have done all of that. But then how long is that good? Is that useful for? OK, because the technology changes quickly. 
So if you've got OBS and you want things to go a little bit smoother with cameras, I'd suggest, you know, one of these cheap game controllers and it seems to do the trick. So OBS, yeah, is open source broadcasting system. It's software you can use to do live video streaming, like if you do a, a mass in a church. Uh, and the, the cameras that it does the pan tilt zoom with that sort of stuff. They're PTC right. cameras. Right. Okay. Right. So awesome. there's a tip for you. That's a good tip. That's a great tip. That's very good. Father Corey. Well, speaking of gaming, I'm going to actually talk about a game and it's actually <laughs> oh. a game that's been out, been out for a while. Um, and it, it just, I happened to get a, a I, I resisted buying this game just because he could see it's very addictive. Uh, but I happened to get something where I got it for a very, very reduced rate. It's called uh, Stardew Valley and Stardew Valley. I would describe as the late lamented or late. Thank God it's gone. Farmville with Minecraft and role playing tacked on top. So the, the plot of this game is that you are this guy who's working for the big mega corp. Think, you know, Amazon slash Walmart slash Coca-Cola kind of all combined into one um, who had inherited from his grandfather this farmstead in this Stardew Valley. And you have to, you're, the purpose of this game is you rehabilitate the farm. You grow, you know, you do all the kind of, you know, you grow crops and you clear the land and you build up your house and you build the, the barns and the coops and things like that for, um, for, to run your farm and to get animals and things like that. Uh, you get a little, you get a little bit of, like I mentioned, the, the Minecraft element where you can go into a mine, literally a mine, old mine and mine for minerals and metal ores that you can then smelt. Um, you've got the role playing aspect where there's other, there's NPCs, non-player characters that you interact with and, you know, to buy and sell your goods and to do different events and activities and even develop relationships, build a family, things like that. Um, it's a very, very, it's one of those games that looks very simple, but the more you get into it, it's got a lot of depth to it. Uh, it's a lot of fun. The, the graphically, it's it's kind of the pixel art type graphics, sixteen bit. If you're if you remember the Zelda Link to a Past, Legend of Zelda Link to the Past on the Super Nintendo, it looks like it could be a, a spot on, you know, sequel to that. It looks very very similar colors and graphics and everything. I mean, just beautiful, beautiful graphics. The music is incredible. And here's the funny part is it's all designed and written every bit of it by one guy. His uh, his online persona is concerned ape. He's a very concerned ape. Uh, Eric Barone is his name. He's from the Seattle area. And it looks very much and he said this was a conscious choice. It looks very much specific Northwest Seattle area type uh, environs. And it's just, it's a beautiful game. It's a, it really is an addictive game because you get that, that Farmville of you have to buy the, buy the, the, uh, the seed to plant and you have to, you know, water it and everything, you know, but it's not the thing where it's like, you know, oh, every eight hours you have to log in and it's like, you know, time moves much faster. You save it, you walk away. Here's the other amazing part. There are no in-game purchases. This is a game you actually just pay for it and play as long as you want. That's a big one. The only DLC, the only DLC that's available uh, on Steam is the soundtrack. This is so rare today because every game has in-game content. Because well, there's, there's a lot of money in that for, the, for, for them. There's a lot of money yeah. in it, but this guy's making 
pretty good money. This is a very popular game online uh, for streaming and whatever. It's a very relaxing game. I mean, you could, if you want, you could play it where it's just the farm. You're growing things and selling things and buying more things and selling things. And, or you could do the, again, the, the, there's a whole plot line you could follow of intrigue in the community and everything. And, or you can be doing the mining and killing creatures. And so it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a very intense, involved game or not intense, but a very involved game that is, it's again, quite relaxed. You know, you can play it as relaxed or as intense as you want. So check out, if you haven't checked it out, if you haven't heard of it, check out Stardew Valley. It's, it is a lot of fun. Awesome. So my pick is a little bit of a Mac software uh, called Bumper. So one of the things that I often encounter is I, I have to switch between web browsers a lot on my computer. I, I use different web browsers for different purposes. My I use Safari whenever I do any purchasing because I like to use Apple Pay for a lot of stuff if I can. Uh, and I use uh, uh, Brave, which is a Google Chrome clone when I want to use the Google services like mail or, or uh, um, Google meet, like we're using now for our recording and that sort of thing. So I, I'm, I often switch among browsers. And one of the things that, that's a pain is if I click a link somewhere, it opens up whatever the one default browser is now. So what bumper does is it lets me um, say, these are all the browsers on my system. If I click a link, pop up a little thing on the screen and let me, and then that will offer me all the different browsers and I could choose which browser to open that in. It will do that not just for browsers, it also do it for mail apps. Some people have different mail apps for different purposes, one for work and one for home, for instance. Uh, now it goes beyond that where you can have it, if you click a link to a specific website. So like I want, every time I go to apple.com, I only want it to open in Safari. So it will then it will just bypass the selector and just go right to it. Uh, one of the things it does is you can use um, key, key commands. If, so when the thing pops up, one will be uh, Chrome, two will be Safari, three will be Brave. So I don't have to take my hands off the keyboard. Uh, it also has um, uh, mail, uh, not mail rules, but like you can set up different rules for like like the domain, like which domain it goes to, which website it goes to. You can have other rules like that too. So. It's very configurable. It's really handy. I've I've really I, I can't really work without it. I've used Bumper or something like it for years, and if I couldn't if I didn't have it, it would drive me nuts. Uh, it's two ninety nine in the Mac App Store. I think it's on Set App. In fact, if you have Set App as well, so uh, Bumper is uh, my pick this week. B U M P R. Uh, there'll be a link in the show notes, of course. So, so Dom, have you ever used like real just Mac OS without anything extension on it? No, I would feel like I'm trying to work with like a hand and a foot tied behind my back. I mean, I mean, that's no fun. I, I sit down yeah. at, my, at other people's computers like, and I'm like, I can't do anything. What do you mean? There's no keyboard shortcuts and this and that right. and everything else. Exactly. I mean, it's second nature at this point for me to be able to to just you know. I start installing software on my wife's computer, so when I have to you know do things on it, she's like, "What did you put on my computer?" Like, don't worry about it. You don't ever have to see it. It's for me when I have to use your computer. I, I wonder though, you know, with all the ones you've done for uh, secrets of tech here for for picks of the week, I wonder if we know everything that you have on your computer. If you still have more, you haven't quite oh, uh, disclosed yet. No, no, there's there's lots more to come. Let me tell you, I I, I would I it'll be a long time before I use up all of the all the little <laughs> apps and utilities, uh, and they're change they change That's over great. time too. So there's more to come. All right, so that's it from us. Uh, if you have any feedback for us on our discussion, you can let us know by going 
to comment on the show at sqpn.com slash technology or the SQPN Facebook page, facebook.com slash starquestmedia, or send an email to technology at sqpn.com. And of course, all the links from our discussion and our picks of the week will be in our show notes at sqpn.com. Remember to like this each episode of Secrets to Tech on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter at sqpn, and leave comments there. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, Father Corey Stika, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of technology. Thank you, Dom. Joanne Mercier, thank you as well. Thanks, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to The Secrets of Technology on StarQuest. <laughs>